It's V'ger Please, A Hateful Voyage Through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. So how about it, man? Like, here it is. We've 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 reached the end of the road on season two. Can you believe it? Can you believe we've survived through so much together? Do you feel like our bond is stronger, Peter, through oh, having it's, suffered? It's a straight-up mind meld over here. Um, <laughs> we've been doing this for almost a year at this point. This is November 1st today, 2018. I believe we started um, V'ger Please, what? January top of 2018. First couple of weeks in January is when we kind of conceived this. So that's two seasons in one year. <laughs> Exciting times. And yeah, um, you just like you're doing the math in your head. Of, like how many more years <laughs> have I set myself up for every week having to watch an episode of Star Trek Voyager? And how many of them are going to be shit? How many of them are going to make the journey worthwhile? How many more jokes can I make about civilian clothes or replicator rations? The the replicator rations are no joke. That's serious business in my book, man. That's that's anthropology. You know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, when we we hit those speed bumps and it penetrates those shields you've built around yourself to try and justify this adventure. The the gone native I'm starting to enjoy you know, Voyager unironically part of yourself. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, do you not enjoy Voyager? Nah, I mean, you've I mean, seen all this stuff. I really like some of the Voyager that's to come for sure. As these early seasons that I view with the greatest contempt, I got to admit, you know, there was quite a bit in season two that was better than I had remembered. Uh, the middle of the season, I guess we'll get into this more when we do our live stream, which is kind of my partial segue into our 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 business at the top of the show. But uh, there was there was some stuff in there that was better than I remembered it being. And so that was enjoyable. But it's like little little specks of gold just surrounded by rancid meat. I'm going to say this. You know, we've, we were going to do our season two rip where we rip into season two and lay it to rest. We've already got some stuff we want to talk about, and that's going to be one of our live um, YouTube uh, podcasts, not podcasts, but one of our live events. If anybody out there in the audience has anything that they want us to touch on, talk on any award categories, that's something we like to do is, uh, you know, come up with awards to assign parts of the season. Go ahead and get those up on the Facebook group. Hit us up through Facebook or V'ger please at gmail.com. Um, but I, you know, one of the ones that's going to make a return is I think we'll do a top five best episodes or maybe top three best episodes, top five worst episodes. Cause there's no yeah, shortage. Got- <laughs> uh, there's a lot. I mean, it's going to take me a while sitting down and looking at these notes. Like these seasons are long and we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we've got, I mean, since we, we still haven't judged threshold, we've got 25 episodes to choose from. And I, if I can only pick five of them for that list of the worst, that's that's a tough road to hoe. I mean, going all the way back to the very first episode of the season, the 37s, you know, really off to a start that kicks you right in the fucking groin teeth. And of course, the 37s rears its ugly head again in this episode. But um, yeah. you wanted to segue into our schedule, I believe. Yeah. So we touched on uh, at the very end of the last episode. So if you didn't catch it. Just for your listening pleasure, here's the story. Uh, You're listening to this 
on November 8th, uh, ne- the next week uh, or the week after they, we will do the live stream. It's going to depend on our schedules because we're doing family stuff we're traveling and all that stuff that you, everyone does in the holidays. So we'll communicate to you guys when we're going to be able to do the live stream. If you can't catch it live, don't worry. We will post it as a podcast audio uh, as well so that you can pick it up. And we'll communicate that across all our social media channels when that goes up. And the week after Thanksgiving, that Thursday after Thanksgiving, we're going to do Threshold at long last before we move into Season 3 so we can start fresh on our Season 3 journey. I'm afraid Uh, that Threshold's not going to live up to the hype. Brother, it do. (laughs) It fucking do. Like, it's, it's bad and weird. And, he, and, and like, you're like, man, this is bad and weird and this is kind of terrible. And then you get to the last 15 minutes and it's like your fucking third eye opens and you can perceive, you know, time and space in ways you could never thought possible before. I can't I can't describe it. It just it goes to plaid. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm, I'm looking so looking forward to actually doing a podcast with you live and watching the episode live so I can see like your reactions. Mm you know cuz we've done we've done this almost a year and you know Peter and I we've been friends for over a decade now but uh we actually haven't hung out I think in 2018 we talk every week but we we don't we you live in Columbus I live in Cincinnati a couple hours apart so we don't like get to hang out so it's going to be uh we haven't watched an episode together we haven't gone on this journey together so it's going to be it's going to be fun yeah that means I'm going to have to put on pants for the podcast and sacrifices have to be made sometimes. Yeah. All right, man. Speaking of sacrifices, season two, episode 26 basics part one. Oh yeah. So in the strong, strong tradition of star Trek, uh, season finale cliffhangers, uh, we, we get Voyager's first one here and every season, from this point forward ends in a cliffhanger. I don't mind the cliffhangers, you know. It's uh it's a fun way to join the seasons. It's kind of a, a good plan continuity. Certainly best of both worlds is the best example of this ever happening that I've seen, and I don't think you're ever going to top best of both worlds, but not that we should even waste our breath in comparing this season finale to season one's finale, which was uh Tuvok boot camp. What the hell was that called? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bait and uh, now the space magic space. is. Yeah, well, friendship. we called it uh, uh, space friendship is magic, but yeah, fuck. I mean, this is certainly an improvement. Let's let's get let's say that first. Basics is definitely a better season finale than the shit that they had season one with, which wasn't even supposed to be the finale. And I don't mind the concept of the cliffhanger season finale. I just think it gets way overused in Star Trek. Um, and Voyager goes to some some lengths sometimes and they do it right. Sometimes it really sucks. Uh, this is this is decent. I like this one. I think this this wraps up the early phase of Star Trek relatively good between the two uh, installments we'll end up watching. Well, we certainly start off very strong. And that is going to be with a mentor pupil session between old Tuvok and uh, what is quickly becoming one of my favorite uh, 
Voyager characters, Lon Suter. Yeah, we get our boy Lon, our our resident murder crazy psycho. Uh, he has he's turned over a new leaf. He's uh he's he's apparently imprisoned in his quarters, which I thought was interesting. He's not in the brig. He's he's in his room. Well, we knew damn well that was going to be the case uh, when when we had our run in with Real Talk Tuvok, which was during Meld. This is exactly what he said it was going to be. Uh, Lon buckled down in his room, uh, a cold blooded murderer content to live in, you know, the lap of luxury. And he, and he is uh, he's uh, he's actually doing, I guess, therapeutic uh, aeroponic vegetable growing or or he's doing some orchid hybrids and he's apparently unlocked a special talent for genetically engineering plants which is very like super villainy <laughs> you know when you think about it like this the crazy murder guy's gotten into creating life with his bare hands so keep in mind we're talking about the voice of chucky here from child's play and i don't know what it is about this guy but i feel like he brings more life and more depth into this performance and and makes Suter really one of the most interesting characters I think on Voyager you know fairly easily within what the the first five minutes of this intro how's the right way to describe it he he seems almost like he's uh earn, uh, like an earnest bumbler I don't know how else to describe it he's very intense like a very scary Barkley is, is yes. what I think he comes off. yeah that is perfect yes a scary Barkley like Barkley but you would not hang out with him after work. No. And by scary Barkley, what we mean is a horrifying Barkley like this guy. So quick recap, you know, if you you're joining us for the first time, Lon was a member of the Maquis who is a crazy serial killer. Yeah, serial killer. And uh, he just up and cracked one of these Starfleet guys over the head with a space pipe and then shoved him in like an exhaust shaft in cold blooded murder. He got found out about it and uh, through a mind meld was able to find some peace, tone his shit down. But he is still a complete lunatic. Like he's it's everything about his body language, he's shaken. His eyes look all crazy. His speech is weird. Like he's just real unsettling. But he seems to be doing better. And he has it hung up in his mind that he owes the ship a debt for what reason I couldn't possibly fathom. <laughs> but he's got a way that he thinks he can improve uh, oxygen output. And um, it's going to require a sign off from the captain. And we kind of get made this promise that uh, the captain's going to come down and check him out. So nice check in on Lon. I'm always happy to see reoccurring characters, especially good support characters elsewhere on the ship. So a very strong start to this episode for me. And we cut then to a uh, little bridge action where they find uh, a, a communications buoy in the middle of nowhere. And I go check this buoy out, and it's a Kazon buoy, and the message in it is from the queen herself, and she's evidently given birth to the uh, the the genetic material stolen uh, Chakotay baby. So again, in case you're just joining us, uh, Seska, the traitor of of the uh, of Voyager, who was a Maquis, but was actually an Obsidian Order agent in Cardassian, stole Chakotay's DNA uh, so as to impregnate herself with his baby. And baby has been born, and this message is, like, 
garbled and kind of like at a Dutch angle and is like she's saying that uh, Kulla, her lover amongst the Kazon, not down with this baby being part human, part Cardassian, wanted to be his own. And now she's in danger and the baby's in danger and Chakotay has to come help. You know, it is the world's most obvious trap from the beginning. But this is what Voyager is here for. It's it's here to find traps. Mm -hmm. Piloted by the trap queen herself, Catherine Janeway. Chakotay and uh, Janeway have a little pop. Uh, I won't say that they have a little meeting in her ready room. And this just really drives home the fact I hate the way Janeway says Chakotay. Has it, have you picked up on this at all? She's like, what? Chakotay, Chakotay. Yeah, yeah she uh, she says it kind of like Balana does, but kind of not like Balana. Like it's like somehow like in touch with his true name, like Chakotay. You know, he's like, you almost want a little like Indian music, like teaser at the end of how she says it, you know, like it's in a Western. Mm-hmm. But Janeway, you know, and then everybody else is Chicote. Mm-hmm. Hey, Commander. Yeah, she says Chicote like she's doing like karate chop moves. Chicote. Yeah, Chicote. basically. She knows so, the way of the Chicote. You know, they, they go off to the side. <clears throat> Chakotay's all flustered because if there's one thing I legitimately do love about the Chakotay character, it's as boring as this motherfucker is. As soon as Seska gets anywhere around him, he does not know up from down anymore. And it's like, she just reaches in and flips a switch on him and puts him into like panic mode. Super easy. Uh, it, it's, it's a great character device to keep him interesting and bring out new sides to him. And I enjoy it. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, he's only interesting in episodes where he's getting fucked with by by Seska. And sure enough, he's incredibly interesting in this episode. And from the jump, when he's in that meeting, he's he's pissed off about the situation. And uh, Janeway very quickly says, yeah, do I think this bitch is putting us in a trap? Fuck yes, I think this could be a trap. Like, she's absolutely 100% capable of making all this up to fuck with you and fuck with us because she knows this shit would work. I'm going to disagree and say there's one other time that Chakotay is interesting, and that's when he's being a catty bitch. <laughs> that, okay. that might like, actually Mike like a uh, catty bitch Chakotay more than uh, uh, baby mama crazy Chakotay. So she drops this line because, you know, basically what they're laying out is Chakotay, please bring your magical, fantastic ship of uh, Alpha Quadrant technology that we have been trying to hijack every time you've heard from us this entire season um, into this big trap where we're going to try and hijack you, obviously. And Chakotay seems torn. He doesn't really want to acknowledge this kid as his. It's not like it even got made the old fashioned way. They, during interrogation, jammed a big football field length needle into his neck and stole his. I don't know, his soul or whatever with it, but that's how she whipped this baby up. So this thing is a complete fabrication against his will. Um, But Janeway goes to him. Uh, you know, I think I really speak for the whole crew when I say we stand uh, behind you, Chakotay. And I'm like, man, because <laughs> you know they're going to go for it. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And here's where we get our episode split, right? And uh, I... <laughs> 
because I have to sit through these episodes and because I'm willing to try and find the silver linings, it's like, all right, maybe there might be some good episodes to these things. The last one, Lame House on the Prairie, that was uh, Preservations or something? Reservations? Reservations. Uh, was it Reservations? No. It's Resolutions. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> I'd like that you think it was Reservations with, reservations with the Indian up. building little cabins and shit. Yeah. But it's like, you know, there's maybe a good episode in here somewhere. And then there's just some garbage stuff. Sometimes the garbage stuff is ramrodding a plot down or plot device down your throat. You know, smart people making stupid decisions. Um, sometimes it's that whole love story we had to sit through last week. But here you've got what's ultimately, I think, going to be a pretty cool episode by the end of it. But the basis is just so stupid. You're try- You're low on fuel. You're trying to get home. You're responsible the life of how many different crew members you've already wasted. What was the total count like eight months? No, at least six months um, because of that last episode, making up for lost ground. You're going to take everybody's life and you're going to set it to the side to go after some baby mama drama that you had nothing to do with. And then Jane was going to have the audacity to say, you know what? The whole crew is going to back this play. Let's let's gamble with everybody's life and go walk into the biggest trap made by the biggest uh, <laughs> by basically the Santa Claus of traps. They sum it up in the dialogue itself and then still make the stupid decision. And that's what I hate about it. If you want to make this episode happen and you're a writer, I get it. You want to make the episode happen. So you're going to find a way. And sometimes that can be difficult to do. I completely understand. I am willing to stretch my imagination a little bit. I am watching a show about something that's supposed to happen 400 years in the future on a a spaceship that looks like it's the fucking conference room of a Holiday Inn. So I am capable of this. I can do it. I can take that journey with you. However, could you please not say in the scene, this bitch is probably setting us up. She is the person that is the most capable of deceiving us and using us using this exact circumstance that she has set up. Let's go fucking do it. And like, everybody's could, peachy keen yeah, about it. And everyone's down with that because, you know, it could be your your child, even though it may not actually be your child when you really think about it. Like, she could be lying about that, too. I mean, they, they know the score. They say they know the score. And then they're like, fuck it. Let's stick our dick into the lawnmower anyway. I I, I just, uh, you know, is it, what we've discovered about the writing on the show. None of this ever surprises me. These guys just do not fucking stop and think and say to themselves, is this making any fucking sense? It's not making any fucking sense. Let's not do it this way. Well, it's not that easy of a conclusion to come to for old Chakotay because he knows damn well that this is a bad idea. He's got the conflict and like any stressed out weak-willed person (laughs) he turns over to the crack pipe and in this case it's that sweet sweet peyote hand vibrator that we have not seen i believe at all this season he's got his old trusty medicine bag out he's got his hand on his future uh indian weed machine or or whatever you want to call it (laughs) space peyote yeah space peyote and he's buzzing his hand up hard And he starts to hallucinate and goes into a dream sequence with uh, the one guy I really did not want to see ever again. And that was Chakotay's dad. Yeah, he uh, makes an appearance from Tattoo, which 
that's probably going to be on my bottom five, possibly the number one or number two. Um, although I will say he's like 87% more tolerable in this episode. I thought the complete opposite. Uh, and this just plays into how cock and Mamie, the backbone of this episode is that when Chakotay instantly is, is talking to the blue glowy of his father, essentially, right? Yes. The force ghost. Yes. And it's a very clear it's there's nothing like hazy or dreamlike about it. It's just like, ah, hey, dad, what's up? I know you've been dead for a while and I miss the hell out of you. And apparently I have the ability to call on your spirit whenever I feel like it. Um, but I'm having some problems. And before he can really even explain what's going on to his dad, his dad's like, well, you need to buck up and be a man. And if you got a son out there, uh, go out and do it. And he starts trying to explain it. And it's like, well, hey, dad, it's it's not that simple. You see. um, we're on a spaceship, uh, but we're in the Delta Quadrant. And uh, I used to be a terrorist, but but now I'm Starfleet again. And uh, my crazy ex, she uh, she pulled the condom out of the trash and got herself pregnant. Um, but now she's with uh, these dirty Kmart Klingons and uh, they're trying to steal our shit. And it's just like it's such a long, crazy cockamamie situation he would have to explain to his ghost father who should realistically already know all this stuff right because it's just a a a hallucination we would assume um and his dad just comes off as like super ignorant through the whole thing is like chakotay i feel is like trying to like hold the line like dad let me let me explain this to you so you understand where my self-doubt's coming from his dad's like no 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 yeah, well, you know, if he's got two arms and two legs and a heartbeat, you need to fully embrace him and go after this thing. And by the way, you're the product of rape. And <laughs> yeah, it's like all of a sudden it takes this right turn into let me tell you about how the white man raped our ancestors. Like, whoa, whoa, literally, whoa, whoa. literally. Oh, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I signed up for this kind of an episode. Hold on. So it's, let's let's flag on the play. Let's. We were talking to space ghosts while high on space peyote here. Like this is seems like there's some stuff going on in your subconscious that you're thinking about that. Yeah. So you know, I keep I start, on wraps. So I, <laughs> so I start tuning the uh, ghost dad out cause I'm tired of his bullshit already. And my mind starts wandering and I'm like, does Chakotay have a last name? Yeah. Not that we've heard. I mean, he's a, citizen of the federation in the 24th century like i get like all right um vulcans only have one name but uh we've never really heard otherwise and i'm curious how this guy's been able to get through all the federation hoops and starfleet hoops on this one name thing but uh we get to the end of the dream sequence with his dad Uh, it's completely fucking absurd he's convinced himself that he is in fact going to commit to this plan and drags the entire crew into the biggest fuck up misstep of the entire season. Yeah, that's an adequate way to put it. Um, his ghost dad says that he needs to love his rape baby no matter what. That's kind of how he puts it. Uh, it's not really hyperbole. And so that means we're going to endanger the entire ship on the off chance that this is the one time Seska isn't trying to kill all of you and take your shit fucking right anyway so now now that that's over they start talking over strategy and if they're gonna go into Kazon 
space. They want to have multiple vectors of shit that they can do to defend themselves or get back up. So they do a laundry list of stuff in the conference room. One, uh, Neelix sets up uh, uh, some some conversation with a local Talaxian mining colony who, for whatever reason, they're willing to come to bat for Voyager and 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 help out against the Kazon if necessary. We don't I want to know. talk about this. Okay. Why in the fuck would the Talaxians give two shits about Voyager? Right? Why? Why Why do these guys care? Why? You've got a guy who is a self-proclaimed coward who basically draft dodged uh, and, and conveniently missed the genocide of where he was supposed to go during this war with Jatral's people. Um, the one, the last time you tried to help out Voyager, your ship got fucking rocked when they came in, the the Kazons came and stole, um, Paris off of it. Uh, do you think the Talaxians knew that they were basically getting set up for an ambush? They don't explain any of this idea for you to be able to make any kind of determination. That's what's so bizarre. I, I'm like, talking about the, the last time we saw Seska when you remember they, they offloaded Paris onto a ship. Yeah. And luckily for them, the uh, Kazon, when they attacked the ship, they didn't kill anybody or really blow the ship up. They just grabbed Paris and then bounced out instead of enslaving everybody. Right. Um, I would say if there's any reason for there to be any goodwill towards Voyager, it would have been uh, in faces when they ended up in that penal colony that the Vidians were running and using people as an organ farm. And there was like that Talaxian guy who very kindly offered them water. And then they completely left his ass behind to be organ harvested. Like had that guy run off and actually been like the, the mining colonies leader's son. Uh, I'd say, Oh, that's a great reason. But as it stands, like dealing with the death ship Voyager is a terrible idea. And now you're talking about, Hey, uh, we're going to back you on a play to go get your your long lost son from the Nistrum, who's the baddest motherfucker uh, Kazon game in town. And we're going to piss him off and throw in our cards with you, you who are leaving the Delta Quadrant and, you know, essentially never to be seen from again. And we're just going to basically start a war with the warlike warriors over nothing to no gain to ourselves. Boggling. I, I do you remember season one when they were near Talaxia and they tried to uh, uh, momentarily undo that uh, genocide in Jatrell and then just kind of gave up? I mean, clearly that would have inspired all of the Talaxian people to, you know, put their lives on the line to fight the I, fucking Kazon. I didn't want to get into that because it pisses me off. But I was thinking about that in the shower. Balana puts in more effort. Harry puts in more effort to fixing a fucking space mannequin potential sex robot who just so happens to be a homicidal murder bot, okay? <laughs> Voyager put in weeks of effort into fixing up Space Tin Man, and they didn't even know what the hell the, the end goal on the, that thing could have just been a hump bot, right? And they could have saved an entire fucking moon, and they only put in five minutes. If I was the Talaxian Prime Minister, Voyager would be so high up on the persona non grata list. Like, they would be like, Two fuck yous. And that's just yeah. one line of dialogue that you're just like, what? Why? Okay, fine. Like, th it's a lot of that in this episode. You just, they just, they just keep moving. Sure, sure. You're, you're grabbing into some Talaxian dudes, whatever. And then they've got some, um, some pretty legit, uh, sensor tricks that they're talking about doing, which is, uh, faking out, um, Talaxian 
ships on sensors uh, for a diversion thing, and then also refitting some of the holographic emitters to the outside of the ship so they could actually make holographic projections of Talaxian fighters, which but since we're already picking at this Talaxian scab, so you're at the Talaxians and uh, Neelix reach out to you and say, hey, man, can you back us on this? And you're like, you turn the, the thing on mute and you lean over to your boss. And you're like, man, fuck these guys. They haven't done anything to help us. But, you know, we don't want to piss them off. Hey, let's just let's just BS them and say, sure, we'll help. And when they call, we'll be like, hey, sorry, we're out of gas. We can't help you after all. <laughs> right. Sorry, we're in the shower. Meanwhile, you've got Voyager engineering two different ways to basically commit identity theft. Like if the Talaxian is like, we do not want war with the Kazon, tell Voyager whatever, but we will not help them because we're not going to bring these guys to our mining colony so they can, you know, rape and pillage us. Uh, And then you got Voyager over there, like basically making duplicates and and dummies and, and 3D printing your mask while they go ahead and rob a bank. Uh, under your assumed identity <laughs> that's real shitty <laughs> you're right it is shitty like it, what if the Kazon believe the deception and then therefore go and exterminate all of the uh Talaxians? like yeah that's that's it's like if up. you and i you and i want to go rob a bank we're like what if we dressed up like crips when we did it those guys wouldn't be mad right <laughs> Yeah, that's I didn't think of I didn't think of that. That that is true. That is really unethical on the part of the Starfleet crew. That's Oh, you didn't say unethical, did you? Well, I mean, you know, they already murdered somebody in the last few weeks, so really. <laughs> what if someone's what, like what is, Well, we're this? trying to get every advantage we get, like we need to get good tactical people too. Hey, let's see what that Tuvox guy or that Tuvix guy is up to. Oh womp womp. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they got uh, sensor tricks, they got uh, hologram tricks, and they have, for whatever reason, commitments by the Talaxian mining colony that they're going to back them. But that only goes so long, and uh, realistically, they're going to lose communication range with these Talaxians by the time they get into wherever part of space they have to go to. Um, and again, th- my notes throughout this whole thing is the core principle of this episode is absurd. So I think if we can kind of just set that aside for a moment and just say there is, for whatever reason, a legit reason for Voyager to go in, the episode starts picking up some pretty good momentum and some cool stuff really starts happening. Those three, th- those three things in any other context other than <laughs> going to find Chakotay's long lost son uh, would have been pretty strong. Um strong plays on Voyager's behalf. I, what we see in sequence is the kind of the unveiling of a really clever master plan. Um, it starts with them finding a shuttle in Kazon space that's been badly damaged. That has a single occupant in critical condition. They beam that occupant aboard and it's a Kazon. Uh, that's a, a recurring uh, Kazon character. They played uh, me so hard on this because when they finally show him his, the back of his head is to you and you see him looking down, but they won't show his face. And I was like, Oh boy, I hope Joe was just blowing smoke up my ass. And uh, what's his name? Jesse Eisenberg. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, actually you're actually going to be in this again. Yeah. So, uh, it's Aaron Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg, I think is the guy who, uh, who, uh, uh, played uh, Mark Zuckerberg in in the uh, 
the social network. Uh, but he would have been a uh, welcome addition too. I would have, I wouldn't have been down to see uh, Mark Zuckerberg Kazan. And that, that could defy that all logic, but I'd be good for it. That would have definitely broken new ground. It subverted expectations, but uh, it's it's not uh, Aaron. It's not Nogs Kazan. It's not uh, Bob from Batman eighty nine either. Uh, it's uh, Tierna, who uh, is a kind of like just a background thug from other episodes. And uh, who uh, Chakotay uh, remembers from having the shit beat out of him by him uh, while he was captured uh, the last time we had a lot of Seska time. And uh, he points out that this guy was Seska's number one guy. And uh, he immediately perks up at the mention of Seska's name and says that Seska. Seska's dead. So this is this is evidently what he is trying to sell, that Seska has died and that uh, it was because she tried to manipulate the Maj one too many times and she he had enough just barged in one day and cut her throat, took the baby and just like mailed it off to a servant planet. And uh, this guy barely got away by bribing a guard to get him to a shuttle and then he got you know, the shot shoot at him. This cockamamie premise. The cool part about it is. It's 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 the crux of Seska, right? You never really know. All of Seska's bullshit is so subtle yet cut so deep that. Is it the truth? Is it a manipulation? You know, it all almost could be or it's all feasible, right? So as this guy's laying it down. You know, of course, that they're not going to take one of their strongest uh, antagonist characters and have her actually been killed off camera. But everything this guy's saying makes sense. She does jerk color around. It is going to be a problem when he finds out that, you know, it's a human baby and not a Kazon baby. It all almost works. So in I, that, I, I will say that I think the best part about this, this lie is that nobody really wants to believe it. And Chakotay, most of all, absolutely does not believe it. Um, you know, like as as much as they know they're going into a trap um, and this guy's probably fucking with them, like, you know, they work every angle to try and figure out, like, how this guy is fucking with them. You know, they don't like blindly accept it, which is a nice change uh, that, you know, these guys are finally wise to the fact they're getting played all the time. This guy does a pretty good job, too. I'm going to say that he's basically the Kazon equivalent to Smoldering Catcher. You know, he's, yeah. he's been that yeah, background. He's, thug. He's, yeah. he's gotten good screen time. And, and now that he's finally getting some dialogue, I think he holds down the fort. And like you said, uh, where Voyager usually glosses over very obvious solutions, especially where technology could possibly be related um, and creates hardship where there doesn't need to be any. You know, Chakotay, who's firing on all cylinders, is like, hey, doctor, I'm going to go and interrogate this guy again. I want you to basically hit him up with a lie detector while I'm talking to him. And the doctor's like, I can't because here's a pretty valid reason, ex uh, excuse why not. And we can cross off this very obvious thing that we should have done uh, off the, the list and, and move along um, in acknowledgement of that. They go through all of like the technical checks 
the doctor it's like you know i can't actually determine if he's telling the truth or not because we don't know enough about delta quadrant species to have a baseline for uh you know truth uh responses um i mean they do they go through a lot to like show the skepticism everyone's having about it and how much effort they put into selling it yes like that this guy clearly endangered his life to an incredible degree if it is not true like this is it, it if it isn't what act what he is saying is not accurate then this is the biggest gamble they could possibly have made to try and plant this story and then he, they put him in uh, on the spot and say, well, then, you know, give up the command codes for the Kazon defense net. And then he does it. You know, like it it seems like they're building that this guy is telling the truth that what he has to say is legit. The command code part was funny. I'm like, oh, apparently they got the same problem that Tuvok does. And it's that you forget to completely uh, change codes after you have traitors discovered in your midst who escape your clutches. They also give Neelix a pretty strong scene while they're going over with the, you know, they're debriefing this guy and see what intelligence he has. And they're trying to plot a course to where they think uh, Chakotay's kids at. And Neelix calls him out and says, uh, why are you having us waste all this time? You know, damn well, there's a shortcut that we could uh, shave days off of the travel time here and, and get there faster. Why are you moving us through this more hazardous tri- uh, terrain? And the dude's like, well, because that is like super hot spot where there's tons of patrols and it's really dangerous. And you would know that if you weren't an idiot. And Neelix is like, well, actually, I did know that. And I was testing to see if you would have uh, let us ease ourselves into a trap. And uh, you did not. So, you know, again, keeping the whole ruse plausible. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like Neelix was posturing. Like, it clearly was like him being useful. <laughs> And like yeah. using his knowledge of this area of space to uh, to see if he could trap this guy and then, you know, admitting that he did not fall into the trap. So uh, all in all, I guess the reason why I love this part of the episode is that it's really just like the uh, the perfect Seska scheme that absolutely he has, that she has these guys so clocked that she knows like. Okay, if we're going to fucking sell them on this, it's got to look 100% legit and this guy's got to give up these goods and we have to have this guy take him on a on a fucking merry trail of a wonderment that looks like it's the safe option. And the whole time the guy's like I don't want to go. This I don't want to do suicide this. Suicide run. We need to back off. This is a bad idea. When they find me, they're going to fuck me up. You guys are all going to die. It's going to be a bad time. So they're they're pulling out all the stops and they're they're playing this one very well um so they finally decide that they're gonna pursue this course uh and off they go and basically they're going through like the outlands of of kazon territory in whatever form it exists as it's not nistrum space but there's still kazon yahoos flying around in their ghetto sleds and they come around and they start taking pot shots at voyager we get a couple we get a couple pretty strong run and gun um, CGI sequence. And it's <laughs> this episode has some some pretty good space battles and then some really terrible CGI that we'll get a taste of later on. But <laughs> they repel a couple of uh, 
Kazon Raiders. And uh, they decide that they're going to be good for an hour or two. And we have a low point in the episode. Well, not a low point. It's because it, it, it serves the law and agenda. But they're basically in red alert, expecting attacks at any moment. And uh, two box like, hey, Captain, since, you know, we got two minutes. Uh, can we go swing by Lon's quarters in this really tense time so you can go talk to him about his science project he wants to do? And she's like, oh, yeah, now seems like a great time for that. They go down to Lon's quarters and Lon just, you know, is fussy because he hasn't cleaned in advance or whatever, but starts to explain what he wants to do. He's obviously very enthusiastic, wants to give back to the ship. Janeway seems pretty impressed. Um, but uh, the problem is, is that Lon uh, hasn't learned how to take no for an answer. Absolutely not. And so he tries to like the hard sail and Janeway gives him the polite brush off a little bit, you know, like saying, Hey, I got to talk to this person, this person already talked to that person. Well, Hey, that's cool. Just let me think about it. Like clearly it's just like, Hey, just give me some distance on this idea. We might do this. It was pretty positive because he keeps pressing though. He gets super insistent and gets very, gets the serial killer. eye. like, you see the glint glint in the eye, the Chucky glint. And uh, Janeway all of a sudden's like, you know what? I'm just going to go. This uh, seems like a bad vibe, bad time. It's bad, bad stuff's happening here. And we see Lon again a little later. And he is in like straight up serial killer brooding mode, sitting in the darkness, shrouded in darkness, you know, in his chair, his brooding chair, contemplating uh, his, his, his lot in life. I didn't get the serial killer vibe towards the end like certainly he loses his cool he pushes too hard and even Tuvok's like uh you better slow your roll and when she leaves I think it's a very clear moment of self-reflection where he he realizes very clearly that he done goofed and that uh forgot all of his meditation stuff and and that he has lost control and this was a, a very poor performance on his end um it's an odd place for the scene, but it was still a good scene. And again, I've really grown attached to the Lon Suter character. So cool part of the episode. Yeah, I mean, I liked that they're they're doing something with him. Obviously, you know, it's been this this open thread and I like how they're they're dealing with it. But uh, I think it would have been cool if they would have given this the same treatment as some of the other story arc stuff like uh, Tom going bad for no reason they just sprinkled a few of these scenes in throughout the season following the death of um following the meld episode uh so they maybe didn't telegraph so heavily that w what his future involvement in all this would have been they had a lot they had to try and do yeah i think with the time that they had they did the right things i think that's what i can say like i i Part of me would have appreciated a more like focused sort of Lon Suter adventure than having it be kind of squeezed in with some other plot stuff. Uh, but I'm just saying that these scenes specifically, like you could have put some of this in uh, the last episode and some of the other more dud slow episodes. I, I, I don't know. If, I mean, like, I don't know if I agree with that, though. So not to go too, too far down on this tangent, but. I feel like if you're going to deal with Lon again, you kind of want to do it all at once. 
rather than kind of stretch it out. I think it's one of those plot lines that works better in this way. I just wish they had spent more time on it at once than having it crushed up against the finale. That's all. Um, a couple more red alerts, a couple more K's on uh, hillbilly raiders. But every one of these attacks is the same thing, and it's <clears throat> the ships coming up, taking pot shots at the uh, something along the ventral portion of the star drive, non-critical yeah, ship systems down there. Uh, and it becomes very apparent, especially to Chakotay, who is super paranoid through this whole thing, that it's uh, too convenient that all of these randos are just coming along and shooting the same seemingly uh, unimportant section of the ship. So he goes down to visit their Kazon guest and in shades of Dobie snatches this motherfucker up off the ground and puts him in a chokehold up against the door right in front of security and the doctor. I do like the doctor's reaction. Like, not in my sick bay, please. Not, please don't beat that man. Not, please, I hate violence. Not, that is terribly uncivilized and against Starfleet regulations. It's just, can you please not get blood on my carpet again? Can you just take because that fucking not shit outside. This is a this is a space space. All right, this is where people come to get healed, not where you interrogate your Kmart Klingons, not a fucking execution gas chamber where you murder Tuvix. Yes, it's a hospital. Yeah, can we stop murdering people here? Can we please? Uh, uh, but Chakotay calls it out and says, you know, I find it, uh, you know, why, why are these guys all keep attacking the same place? Uh, if you're lying to me and I find out I'm coming after you. Uh, but even through this rough handed um, interrogation, uh, Kazan dude holds up. And then what? Uh, that's when there's one more like attack by a raider and it finishes off the secondary command circuits. This is the thing that they keep attacking. It finally blows them out. And and Harry's like, it's going to take us a couple days to fix this now because I have to rebuild it from scratch. And that's when they're like, all right, obviously. We have to rethink our strategy because we're definitely getting picked on on this one piece of our vessel for some reason. And we haven't figured out what that reason is yet, but it's time for us to, you know, think back and re and and regroup on this. And when they make that decision is when suddenly out of nowhere, there's eight giant fucking space hoopties bearing down on them filled with Klingon uh, Kmart Klingons. And it is the Nistrum and they are here to fuck them up, which not of only course, is it the Nistrum, though. They are flying in a very distinctive Cardassian attack pattern. Yep. Yep. They are. They are attacking exactly the way perhaps a Obsidian Order agent would have instructed them to. Uh, and they start to deploy their countermeasures. So they do the sensor trick first. It peels off half the attack groups. And now Voyager only has to deal with four. They start activating the holographic Talaxians, thus endangering their entire planet. <laughs> At one point, they accidentally put the doctor in space for a weird comedy moment. That how'd you I feel about that, man? That was stupid as fuck. I it was, was so, so dumb. bad. It looked terrible. The CG was bad. I was reading Memory Alpha. They put a ton of time and work into like wire work on making him seem like he's flailing around. Why? It was just... Fucking why? 
such misplaced money and time for the production on this thing. Did that moment, did we just really need a laugh? Did this episode just need a little levity right there? Is that what they're like? Oh, we got to brighten this one up. The fuck? Right in the yeah. middle of our serious cliffhanger season finale in the middle of a life or death fight where they're using like tech, you know, cheap technological tricks to try and confuse these guys long enough to to put put a hurt on them. We're going to do a quick bit. Where <laughs> the doctors in space can shut it by phasers. Oh boy, how's he gonna get out of this one? Like fuck, fuck off. You know, like his tango dance, his tango dance to to dodge ship fire. <laughs> I, it's it it it's like some goofy shit. Like you, of course, you remember Insurrection, right? Uh huh. Remember all the goofy shit in that movie that just holds it the fuck down. I'm going to call that, and I, I didn't read anything to verify that this was, in fact, uh, her touch on it, but I'm going to call that a Jerry moment. <laughs> it's a, I, you know what? I'm willing to go along on that journey with you. That's a Jerry moment for sure. But uh, the, the battle goes relatively well. They are they are shitting out all their photon torpedoes at these guys. Like They're holding their own. At this point, it's, it's four uh, Nistrum big boy ships. It's Voyager. And they're basically trying to find their way out. And I want to say, I think they successfully, no, they didn't take out their warp drive yet. So I'm not sure why they didn't just warp out of there. But we cut to a scene and we see Kazon homeboy in his quarters. And he's doing some sort of weird little prayer. And you know that something is up and that this is going to be their new Jonas. This is going to be their inside man. And in a subsequent follow-up cutaway to this guy, we get one of the, probably the grossest scene I think I've seen in Voyager since we saw Tuvok getting his brain microwaved. And this dude gets his boot off. Oh, yeah. And he gets his bronzed foot up. Oh, yeah. And he reaches down, and this guy peels his own toenail off. Oh, Stevie couldn't watch. I was watching this episode with my wife. She's stuck in there with me for pretty much every episode so far. And this is the first time I saw her like recoil in horror and be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. It was terrible. He peels off his own toenail. And then he does some sort of a magic trick where he pulls this toothpick with a needle. That's like the size of a steak knife. (laughs) Out from behind. These guys love their needles, bro. These guys love their needles. Whether it's in a secret Dakota ring or underneath your toenail that you just peeled off. Your nasty Kmart Klingon crusty fucking toenail. Ugh. Yeah, so he pulls this needle that was like taped to the bottom of his toenail off. And then he reaches down and he injects himself with, uh, you know, Product X or, or whatever you want to call it. Space boom boom juice. <laughs> uh, we cut back up to the bridge. Uh, Voyager's still holding its own. I think. Does Tom have the idea to take off yet or is it later? Uh, that happens shortly. So uh, Kazon homeboy hits himself with the boom boom juice. And we've heard in dialogue in prior scenes that. There's some anomalous reading in this Kazon guy's blood, but the doctor couldn't figure out what it was. 
Well, whatever it was seems to have had a violent chemical reaction with the boom, boom juice. And he explodes. He's literally a bomb. You see like a quick shot of him, like expanding and being in horrible pain. I couldn't tell what was going on there because he starts getting bigger and like mutating. And I was like, is this dude about to turn into like a Kazon Hulk and rampage? And I thought that would have been sweet. It kind of looked for a second like that might happen, but then instead he literally explodes in fire and just blows a huge hole in the deck that he's on. He conveniently blows a hole in homeboy Lon Suter's quarters. <laughs> and so like it's uh there's there's uh there's there's this should be a different alarm going off across the ship with that guy out. <laughs> like oh no everybody Keep the pipes locked in. Lon Suter is loose. It's he like in Jurassic loose. Park when the power goes out and the raptors get out of their pen. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, point is, as this puts Voyager in a bad way, they were they were handling these Kazon pretty well. This happens. It starts blowing systems. Fires start popping up. It's bad. Uh, that's when Tom skedaddles uh, with a, a shuttle. They leave it unclear if he escapes, but we all kind of know, you um, know that, that he really does. <laughs> questionable on this, right? Because Lon goes, um, if I get in a shuttle, I can take off and get to the Talaxians and call for help. And it's an interesting moment because, and, and you know, Tom's a good guy and and, and whatever, but the same time, Tom is a dirty space convict who has done some bad things in his time, and he has been unscrupulous in the past. And what if, just what if, old Tom sees the writing on the wall, and he is lying, and he is just out to save his own ass, and uh, and he's just cowardly running off. Even if that's not the case, <clears throat> Tom is still supposed to be one of the best pilots in the Federation is now when Voyager is heavily damaged and in a fight for its life, really the best time for Janeway to let her star pilot leave the bridge and go fly off on a shuttle to probably just get shot down by one of the four other ships circling around you. I mean, that is 120% my, was my thought at the time too. Like, this seems like the time to send like the B pilot in the shuttle. Like a pilot should stay with Voyager and try and unfuck this mess if possible. Uh, or hell, send Chakotay out because he's an okay diplomat and maybe he can do about send fucking Neelix out. Yeah, Put exactly. Neelix in Neelix's shuttle. Uh, but whatever. So, you know, he takes off and luckily for Tom, he gets off right before the parade of exploding Federation consoles just blow up all over the ship. And we see at least four crewmen catch uh, exploding LCD panels to the dome. Yeah, it's 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 pretty raw. There's there's no like confirmed casualties, but there's some dudes getting rocked, mm-hmm. you know, 100 percent. And uh, we uh, we get the alarm that the Kazon are uh, boarding through the shuttle bays and are getting into the ship and they don't waste much time like it's a few seconds later that they're everywhere and and uh janeway realizes they're fucked they just went through this they really did just 
literally was boarded by the Vidians and got its ass kicked and everybody got organ harvested and they had to blow the ship up. Tuvok, do your job, man. Don't worry about running tactical drills on flying the ship around. You need to start showing people how to shoot. You need to get some emergency <laughs> auto turrets mounted in these hallways. So when your every three week, you know, scheduled uh, boarding parties come on board, y- your guys aren't losing every single fight they come across, man. This is like a reoccurring thing now. Voyager getting its ass kicked in close quarters combat when they've got the home field advantage. It's true. I mean, you nailed it. They, they seem to be very susceptible to getting boarded by the enemy. Now, they never like mention like overwhelming numbers or anything. Um, I guess we can presume since there was like a bunch of these fucking space hoopties out there, there was just a shit ton of K's on that just yeah, rolled in like deep. But an inferior enemy with inferior we- whatever. <clears throat> so it's a yeah, dire with, their, with their fucking tickle guns and shit. Yeah. <laughs> with their pipe guns from Fallout 4. Yes. Um. But oh, eh, on top of the Vidians, the 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 Kazan even ran hot game on them. And Alliance, no, it wasn't Alliance's. Uh, what was the last time Seska got the the leg up on them with the with the transporter theft? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That that wasn't Alliance's, but that was a good one. Forget the name uh, of the. This actual is the episode. second time the Kazan have forced boarded you, like Tuvok. Man, this is some serious mud on your face, but. Hashtag Tuvix would have solved it. That is a spicy, spicy hot take, man. What would Tuvix have done to prepare the ship better for this inevitability? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. But, okay, yeah, the the ship is fucked and and we're going down. They start calling for an abandon, uh, the ship, and Janeway does what Janeway does best when push comes to shove. Yep, she decides to blow the ship up. And that's when... Seska's master plan truly like the the circle completes and the computer informs Janeway that she can't arm the self-destruct because the secondary command circuits are uh, not functioning, which, of course, is the thing these tiny little Kazon Raiders have been hitting, you know, over and over and over again. So it all so makes good. sense that this was so good. Yes, because the whole time you're kind of like, what could have those systems be? What is what is the plan there? You would think that with the smart computer you have that someone would have been like, hey, computer. What 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 are these secondary systems? What has been compromised? What's our possible outcome? You know, run just just spitzball some uh, hypothetical situations out there for me. But no one ever bothered to do that. And yeah, the coveted self-destruct function of uh, Voyager is down and Janeway's ultimate fuck you Trump card has been taken out of her hands. I love the moment that Janeway has nonverbal. She just kind of looks up like fuck. That was the whole fucking plan. She bet it all on getting us in this situation with the inability to blow ourselves up. So she could finally take the goddamn ship. Like, all too late, she realizes what the audience realizes, which is this was this was all her game and it she played her hand perfectly and once again has outwitted Voyager. Like she has almost a perfect record of fucking with these guys. And only the like the the most 
uh, crazy shit that they've pulled have gotten them out of it. And here they are again. Seska set them up perfectly. And wouldn't you know it, uh, the Kazon busted, put everyone under under uh, a citizen's arrest. Seska strolls right in, baby in tow, to do a little gloating, followed by the ever hammy Maj Kulla. And uh, they let uh, let them know that they're they're in deep doo doo. Kulla is as sexist as possible in the short time he has on screen. Uh, backs Dolby level pimp slapping Janeway across the face uh, to emphasize his sexism when complaining about women, telling them that they, they're going to be all dropped off on another planet. I don't know what it is about Kulla in this episode. I've always, you know, up to this point, not really cared one way or the other. But in this one, I was really just feeling everything he was putting down. I think the actor, his game was on point. And uh, for whatever little humor they tried bringing in with that stupid doctor in space uh, bit, his role in these scenes are a foil to Seska. Seska is deadly serious and she is like gloating at twice the capacity of hologram Janeway when uh, hologram Janeway was telling uh, uh, prison clown that, you know, real Janeway one upped him and whatever little rub it in your face gloating party was going on. There is nothing compared to Seska just rubbing Janeway's face in the carpet. And while you got Seska doing that, like you said, Cullah's just hamming it up, man. And oh, so uh, much. So well, good. Like you're saying, like he's he's been real sexist and <clears throat> his big problem why the the Kazon Voyager Alliance fell apart in alliances was because ultimately Cullah could not accept a woman as an equal and he refused to I think he actually intentionally poisoned the the talks is because uh, he felt threatened by Janeway's good suggestion. So now that he's got the upper hand, when Janeway does try to stand up and talk to him as an equal, like you said, he just flat out pimp slaps her back down to the floor. And he's just hamming it up. And the whole time he's like shit talking Seska too, like she's out of control. She pees on the car. Like he's talking like she's a dog, right? Like she pees on the carpet. She won't stop barking, blah, 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 blah. It's, you know, your alpha quadrant uh, nonsense that has encouraged this in her. And he's being like real shitty to her, even though she just handed him Voyager on a silver platter. Yet, despite this, anytime she barks or starts getting like insistent and naggy about something, the dude folds like a house of cards. Yeah, he's like, I, I likened it to the worst married couple. Like he's he's like henpecked. Absolutely. It, it's it's. It was remarkable what they decided to do with this relationship that he's like this tries to strut like this alpha male. But Seska just has him like locked in like they're like an unhappily married couple for 23 years with four kids. They find they do a crew uh, check and they find out that everybody's accounted for except for two people and a shuttlecraft is missing. And he's like, yeah, well, we destroyed the shuttle. And she's like, but did you find the and anybody who's been in a relationship long enough, like, you know, with your partner, you're like, yeah, look, here's my case. We're good on this. And then like they second guess you. And at a certain point, you just you give up. And you're like, 
whatever. I don't want to get into this. And she's like, but did you find all the wreckage? And did you get the serial numbers? And was there DNA smeared on the bulkhead where the body should have been? You need to go out and find it. And he's just like, <laughs> looks like he's about to like, just tell her to shut up. And he's like, and so just looks at one of his subordinates. He's like, go, go, just go. Just make her shut up, please. Just do whatever she's saying so she'll be happy. Yeah, you know, it's like it's a real yeah. rich scene. I, I, I got a good laugh out of that one. They take the Voyager crew to Southern California <laughs> and drop them off uh, on another Southern California M-class planet. Define drop them off, because when we talked started at the beginning of this, I said that this episode has a very unfortunate connection to the season opener. Thirty seconds. Yeah. The ship lands. Uh, first of all, the Kazon show remarkable affinity for being able to pilot Voyager under challenging circumstances. I'm saying, man, like what? I get that you got Seska there, but these dudes in their in their dirty drug rugs, they're behind all the stations, <laughs> they're pushing all the right buttons, and they do what is has to be one of the trickiest things that even the regular Federation crew had, you know, a very nervous time doing. Yeah, even Tom, like ace pilot Tom, was like, oh, this is kind of weird. I've never done this before. It's weird. But yeah, they got this fucking shit down. Like, uh, apparently, Maj Kello's read all the technical manuals because he's able to command the vessel, no problem. Oh, yeah. And, and all his all his, his fucking running buddies just know how to man the op station or whatever, whatever. And they land the ship and they reuse. They reuse shots from the 37s. The exact terrible CGI landing sequence. As cool as all the space combat was, again, this is like Sega CD video game quality graphics here. And let's let's hang out for a moment and talk about Kazon motivations. All of this is fine and dandy. And again, the end goal of this is going to be to trap Voyager's crew on the surface of the planet away from all their technology. But... What the hell is going on here with the way the Kazon are acting? This amazing grace and mercy that instead of pillaging and plundering and murdering the crew that has humiliated you over and over again, instead of transporting the crew into the vacuum of space as you did your your Kazon enemies, instead of... uh, gunning them all down or selling them the Vidians or or any of these other things you decide that you're going to just plop them all down on the planet and then not even hang around to watch them suffer and i can only assume that this is part of the the erratic duplicitous nature of seska of never really knowing what is her end goal what's true what's fake i can only assume by the fact that culloden just kill everybody that they just took captive that it was Seska whispering in his ear saying no we don't need to do this wouldn't it be much more grand to know that they're suffering forever when really you know maybe there's a shred of decency in her that's sparing her old friends lives we we've heard in the past from from like other references that Kull is kind of into the lingering gloating kind of punishment because it makes him feel powerful, which is his character is very petty. It's not very efficient. He's very hammy super villainy. Yeah. So, so the fact that he would just be like, you know, it's like Khan, you know, like buried alive. Um, yeah. I'm, guess what? Uh, I'm, I'm going to 
make you linger in how I'm superior to you now uh, and that you are shit by leaving you on this planet with no technology in lovely sunny Southern California uh, to survive on your own. Like I, I kind of bought it like as, as offered as a very color super villainy move. Cause that's just his characterization has been pretty consistently that. So I oh, think, it didn't feel like a stretch to me. I think the, the scene needed Seska kind of volunteering after the fact, like, uh, you can thank the Maja's, uh, you know, unending mercy and, and giving you a slow death instead of just shooting you guys in the head like, you know, he initially wanted because I talked him out of it. Like, I, I think it would have been appropriate, but whatever. Uh, the decision to land the ship was stupid and uncalled for. You could have just beamed everybody down. But I guess you spent all that money in the 37s. You want to make sure you get your money's worth and reuse that stock footage a few times. There also is a pretty nice dialogue line in there where uh, Kula admonishes Chakotay, uh, saying that uh, he's going to raise Chakotay's son as, as his own, and that uh, shame on Chakotay for basically using his rank over Seska to force him to impregnate her. Yeah, it's Chakotay's like, whoa, 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 wait, hold on, what'd you say? And then they just skip right over that, like, uh-huh. no further discussion. The look on Sh- on Seska's face when he says that too, like, she's like, ooh. <laughs> you weren't supposed to mention that in front of the guy I was lying about. Yeah, there they are, they're on the planet, they take all their com badges, no tricorders, it's just the uh, ill-fitted jumpsuits on their back, and, uh... Voyager goes ahead and takes off. And right about that time, Janeway, without missing a beat, it's like, uh, okay, we're going to split into teams. We need to get uh, food and water and shelter. We're going to go ahead and lie to the crew and tell them help's coming. Um, you know, maybe Tom is still out there. Hope's the most important thing. We need to keep it alive, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just thinking in my head, now is the point where these guys need to hit their, their breaking point. It's all been fun and games, but Janeway has steered them down the wrong path every time. Nobody backed this Chicote baby adventure thing. And now the lady who has trapped them in the Delta Quadrant needlessly has trapped them on a planet surface where they're going to be probably mauled by dinosaurs. And these guys need to have had their fill. And someone needs, I think, to just step up and tell Janeway to shove it up her ass. You're not wrong, but that's not what happens. Instead, everyone falls in the line. And starts to make shit happen as requested. And Neelix starts get- bossing people around. Neelix needs to be in a uniform, man. If if you're assigning survival teams under your Talaxian pet, at, at a certain point, he just needs to be part of Starfleet crew. And I get He's they put, got, you know, put a regular, regular uniform and call it good. I understand. But yeah, they, they start getting going on that. Uh, we flash back over to Voyager. We see the the Kazon crew at the helm, but then we go back over to where we most had Kazon Hulk and we see the hole in the wall that we had assumed that Lon Suter had run up, but Lon's not, uh, not roaming the ship's halls. Lon is deep in the cut, hiding up in the vents, peeking through wild eyed. Oh yeah. He, uh, I mean, what the pre- the premise of what we have on the ship is that the two agents that the Federation have left up there are, the doctor who shut himself off for 12 hours so that 
the Kazon did not immediately see him or think of him as activated. And then fucking crazy ass murder mayhem man, Lon Suter rolling around in the Jeffrey's tubes, looking like a man who needs it, needs a hobby. And so uh, <laughs> there's going to be some shit that happens. And we all know there's going to be some shit that happens. Lon's looking for a hobby and he's fresh out of hydroponic bays. Yeah, you gone and blown up his old one. So his new one may have to go back to the old one. He's, you know, it's like all they had to do was cut to him just slowly raising a pipe into view <laughs> in his hand. And it's like, what? oh, the fucking Kazon are done for. Lon Suter has a pipe. <laughs> what I want him to do is slowly bring a blue bandana up and tie it around his head. In a Metal Gear Solid moment as we get introduced to Solid Suitor, you know? <laughs> oh, you have a codec, right? With the, with the doctor? As, yeah. As the, oh, as the yeah, as, as Campbell? There you go. Yeah. Man, forget about Elite Forces. I need a Star Trek Voyager game that is Lon <laughs> Suter going solid stake on some Kazon asses, man. Tactical S. The only entry in the tactical espionage arena for the Star Trek franchise, Solid Suitor. Oh, man. I play it. I play the shit out of that. I play the absolute crap out of that. There'd be no fucking Trank darts in this game. No, just Trank pipes. Just Trank pipes. (laughs) And stuffing stuffing dead bodies (laughs) in the lockers. It's into, like, fucking engine room shit. Yeah. Oh man! Wow, this is the four. What's wrong with these engines? Oh, they're all just jammed up with your dead dudes. <laughs> just like, like, what the hell's going on? I got this vision of you know he's like crouched behind. It's the same isometric view as the as the as the game, and it's like a Kazon walking by and is you know patrolling, and he like throws out the lady Kazon magazine, you know, to distract him so he can sneak by. In the final battle with Seska, where she's in the role of Sniper Wolf, and she's up at the high ground taking pot shots at him, and then Suter cheats, and he just uses the uh, tow missiles to bend around <laughs> the corner and blow her up. <laughs> oh, Speaking oh. of which, that PlayStation's coming out, and I think uh, Metal Gear Solid's going to be on it. Uh, yeah, the there new... is. Yeah. I was a huge fan of those games. I, uh, I not only owned all of them, I bought the twin snakes remake of metal gear solid for the GameCube. Yeah. And what that, that one did was it like gave it, you know, graphical polish. And then you could do like the first person controls that you could in metal gear solid two. Yeah. Which made the game too easy. <laughs> of course. When uh psycho mantis read your memory card and found out that you like half symphony of the night, that was like mind blowing. It was. Are you like Castlevania? I was like, how do you know? Wow. You're you a fucking psycho. monster. Witchcraft. So anyways, yeah, Star Trek, man. Um, unfortunately, it's no PlayStation Adventures for uh, Voyager's crew. They're there without electricity. They see some cavemen crawling out. There is a dinosaur of some sort and Voyager flying off into the distance. Voyager looks terrible. The CG is terrible. They worked on the... Um, they worked a lot on the uh, the ratio, not the ratio, but like the dimensions of what Voyager should look like to scale with people on the ground. But I couldn't really notice any difference. And there we end. You know, the Kazon have a clear upper hand. Uh, Voyager's effed. Lon Suter is deep in the cut. And uh, 
Paris's fate is to be determined. Yep, and that's where they leave it. Um, D, I mean, so obviously we are very critical of the setup, and deservedly so because it's poorly written. But the some of the action's great. The Lon Suter stuff is good. The the techno babble like problem solving is good. Uh, uh, Chakotay is interesting because he's having to deal with Seska's bullshit. Yeah. And that always makes plans are feasible and visceral and, and genius. Perfect Seska shit. Mm hmm. Um, so antics are, are amusing. Yes. Overall, uh, despite it's, it's glaring weaknesses in parts, it's not a bad episode and uh it's definitely a better note to end on than space friendship is magic boot camp dolby punch uh, uh that we had for season one so i would have to I'll say give it that, that i'll call this a really good episode even, even with a terrible premise like it's it's serviceable and they cover a lot of their bases and it's a, I, want it's you a to, I want to take apart what you just said peter you said it's a really good episode and then you said it's serviceable I said the, it, the the backbone the the hook of Chakotay's baby is serviceable. No, I don't really think so, man. That that shit falls apart. Like in the first scene where they're talking about it, it's fucking retarded. Yeah, but and, it's again, it's it's Voyager staff wants to tell a story, and they're just going to ramrod it to happen. I would say in this case, they at least make a few concessions instead of just people being stupid ignorant of the fact they're being stupid at least in this one and i think that really adds to the burn that janeway has to take there at the end because she was so smug and she really thought that she was going to do walk into a very obvious trap and somehow walk out of this the victor and when they when they, the the hulk blows up and she finally you know they get fucked and she goes to blow the ship up before it gets taken and only then does, you know, the the final door open and she sees that she's just been played the entire time. Um, that, that was a pretty gratifying moment to have to watch her humbled like that. So here we are at the end, man. Season two is on is, is in the books. No, not yet. We got that one more to go and then and then it'll be go time. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing our uh, our rip into season two and really discussing it as a whole body of work. Same here. I want to go kind of go back through what we've seen and, and put things in perspective. I'm looking forward to talking with you about it, man, and hopefully having a little crowd along with us. Um, do you have any uh, readings from the Ferengi Bible to close this out? I do. <clears throat> this is going to be uh, one of the unnamed uh, rules of acquisitions. Why ask when you can take? Yeah. Ah, Seska. Absolutely. When, when it's it's she has truly been the best part of the show so far. So in I don't the know, end, man. Suter's coming up as a close second. We're that we're going to get two of the best secondary characters. I think that we have at our disposal at this point going into basics part two. Speaking of basics parts two. We have a picture. It's uh, what looks like Kula. I don't know some Kazan, and he's talking to the Starfleet people in a shot that looks like you're observing the scene from hiding in someone someone's trunk. 
The Kazon commandeer Voyager and strand the crew on a desolate planet, leaving only the Doctor, Paris, and the murderer suitor <laughs> to retake the ship. I wonder how it's going to go. All right, guys. Join us next time for our uh, View Your Please live stream. We'll keep you uh, advised as exactly what day it will be. Uh, and until then, peace. Peace.